0: But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. So I am so excited. As some of you might already know, Brad's not here this week. But I'm kind of, I'm not like glad about it, but I'm kind of glad about it. Because we get to hear from Danielle. And she has just been such a delight. We've gotten to know her and her family over the last couple of years. And I just have so much respect for this person. And um, she is the church multiplication director for the Great Lakes region. She has a super, like, deep-seated passion to see communities and people reached for Jesus, transformed by Jesus, by church planting, by evangelism. Um, And she is just so passionate, and I, I was here for first service, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear what she has to say this morning. But can we please give a warm New Life welcome to Danielle Freed? Thank you guys so much. I am very truly honored and privileged to be here with you guys. There are really exciting things happening in your church. And somebody asked me in the lobby, they said, yeah, but isn't it kind of happening everywhere? And I can tell you um, from my personal experience working with lots of churches, no, not exactly. What's happening here is special. It is a move of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. You can clap for that. It's been very exciting to watch all the ways that the Lord is working and moving in your church. And so celebrate that, be excited about that. Um, I actually got to be a part of this church before it even ever started. And I know that probably sounds very interesting to you. But the founding pastor, Pastor Michael Hewitt, is a friend of ours. And right before he was getting ready to launch this church, he came down to Indiana to spend some time with my husband and I because we had just launched a church in central Indiana. And so it was really fun just to hear Michael's heart and his passion in the ways that he was just planning and what the Lord was revealing to him about starting this work. And I can tell you he would be he what would be and is thrilled about the ways that God is continuing to take their efforts, that group of people that stepped out to start this church that is a part of what you get to be a part of here today. So Michael and his wife are amazing people, great, amazing people, and now you get to sit under beautiful leadership with Sam and Brad, and you do have an incredible pastoral team. I don't just say that to be nice, I mean it. You have incredible leaders who are being led by the Holy Spirit, who are excited about reaching lost people and seeing brokenness healed, and so you just are really a blessed church to be a part of what God is doing right here in these moments, and I'm excited to spend some time today just kind of talking about that. So my husband and I are church planters, and now we get to help church planting in three states. I have actually a picture of my family. They're not here today because we have a church plant launching in Ionia today. And so they're a part of that launch Sunday in that community. That's my husband, John, our daughter, Dayana, and my son, Dean. And this is a picture of us in the blizzard. And so we moved here from central Indiana two years ago, right in the middle of the pandemic, And I'm sorry, especially because, like, this winter has never ended, but, like, we're loving it. We loved the blizzard. I live in this, like, place on a map where there's, like, the snow, the snow, the snow, and it really hit here. Like, I've lived in that little dot twice. So if you look at my, like, sidewalk, you can see, like, two feet of snow during the blizzard. It was super fun. I love to be active on social media because I keep in touch with a lot of my friends back in Indiana that way. And so I love going live on Facebook. And I went live in the blizzard and I was out front and I was talking about like how like this has been incredible, so much snow, it's coming so fast. You can see my nativity right there, kind of in the side of that picture. I had to keep like unburying baby Jesus and putting him back on top of the snow because I was like, you know, it's Christmas week. I can't have Jesus like buried under the snow. So I would like scrape out all this stuff and move the wise men and shake him (laughs) out. on top of the snow in my front yard, so I'm making this video, and then I decided to kind of go to the backyard, and it turns out it really was quite the blizzard. As soon as I got out of the block of my house from the wind, my head, like hood blew off, and I could barely talk. I literally looked like a crazy person on the weather, and so I was like, okay, this is a real blizzard. This is pretty intense, so we've loved the weather. I'm sorry if you don't. I do hope that nicer weather is coming, but West Michigan is just a beautiful place. We've enjoyed being a part of this community and living here. And you guys live in just a really special place. I think you may know that. If you don't, you should go live somewhere else for a while, and you'll realize how boring other places really are, and there's a lot more happening here. Um, so we um, love supporting churches. That's what we do. And when I was invited to speak this morning, I thought, there's a lot of powerful things happening, and I've just spent a ton of time praying, listening to all of the services, getting to witness those baptisms. Some, they said, didn't even make it to the live stream. You should be excited about the ways the Lord's moving, and we're leading into Easter, and this is just a perfect time to bring more and more people into this excitement. The topic that I was given is, we're in an I Am series, is when Jesus says that I am the light, and wouldn't you know that yesterday, like around three o'clock, talking about light and dark, my power went out. My power's never gone out since I lived here. They said it was going to be out for over five hours, so I was going to have to put my kids to bed in the dark. The house was going to be cold. I'm like, well, this is convenient for writing a sermon about light and darkness. It ended up coming on a little sooner. But I think about this contrast between light and darkness. Jesus says, I am the light, but you can only have light when you have darkness. So I'm curious if you can think about like the darkest place you've ever been. I've never been in a cave. I don't know if you have been in a cave. It sounds a little creepy to me, so I've never like ventured into that world, but like, pure darkness, the most dark place I've, I've ever been, I think, is probably, like, in a basement where there's no daylight available at all and, like, all the doors are shut. Sometimes people have, like, a guest room in their basement or, like, a little room that, like, if you shut all the doors, like, you'll never wake up in the morning because, like, there's no daylight. Have you ever been in that place where, where it is so dark, maybe you've woken up even somewhere and you, like, can't even, like, find anything because it's so, so, so dark I think you have to really recognize that type of darkness before you can recognize the power of Jesus saying, I am the light. So the verse that I'm going to share to start off with is from John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in that darkness, but will have the light of life. These people definitely knew what darkness was. In Jesus' time, like, I looked out my back window last night, and I was thinking, like, how dark is it going to get? Well, because of streetlights, it doesn't ever get that dark. Like, I don't live, like, in town. I live kind of out in the country, but I can see a bunch of lights. And it's like, I don't really get to experience that, like, pure, pure darkness in my, in my life. Well, I think about their life and them, like, not having any streetlights, not having electricity, like you've got a lamp or you don't have a lamp. So, like, you either see or you don't see. It's not, like, provided for you. They knew more than we could ever know what it means to walk in actual, like, literal darkness. They knew the power and the need that you had for light. Also, this metaphor of light in this statement is super important because the reference to light would be, like, showing his divinity, like, showing his power, showing that, like, he is God. Because God is referred to as the light. He's seen, like it was already this cultural thing that light is God. And so Jesus is saying, I am the light. This is kind of startling. Like for him to say, I am the light. They're like, well, we thought God was the light. Well, he's like, spoiler alert, I'm God. You know, like this is my power. So he didn't say, I will point you to the light or I will give you the light. He said, I am the light. I'm the only light. When I think about this contrast, I think... It's like this beautiful visual, and again, like, even having my power go down yesterday, like, you don't realize how much you depend on the light when you're in those dark places. Isaiah chapter 9 was this foretelling of Jesus coming. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see there's something coming, a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine, and Jesus is that light. This visual of light comes into so many scriptures. Like there's so many, I couldn't even share them all today if I tried. The light of the world is throughout all of scripture. In Matthew chapter 5, you've probably heard this verse several times, this passage. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus is this light, and when he lives in us, we are the light of the world. The church cannot hoard all of this love and all of this joy and all of this power and all of this peace that we found, this good news that we found. We have a responsibility to share it. I don't know how many of you have seen the Jesus Revolution movie. We just watched that this week, my husband and I. And I heard last week or the week before, Pastor Brad talked about this scene in the movie where the hippies are coming in. And they're, they're kind of messing up the church that this older group of small group of people had kind of been really happy and comfortable with. And they're like, but if these people keep coming in, they're going to stain the carpet. Their feet are dirty. You know, they're hippies. They don't wear shoes. And, and their concern isn't like, do they find the light and do they experience Jesus? It's, they might mess up our carpet. And what Pastor Brad said, if you didn't catch it, he said, when it comes to Easter this year here at New Life, let's stain the carpet. Let's mess it up. You know, I, like, I picture just like an aisleway of just like the carpet being destroyed because that's not what it's about. Like, we're, we're good with that. We would love to have so many people desperately needing hope that the carpet becomes stained from all the dirt that comes in, right? I love that picture. And, you know, even these Easter invitations on your seats, both sides, Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Taking these and helping people find a place where they too can experience new life will, I'm believing, transform more and more people's lives in this community. Amen. To have the light and to be the light of the world, actually in the Greek, it means to echo. It doesn't actually mean that we can produce the light, It means that we get to reflect the light. So we're going to have like a little science lesson here. I'm sure that I learned this somewhere in like elementary science. If there's some kids in the room, you're probably very familiar with this concept. But did you know that, I have this picture of the moon. Did you know that the moon doesn't actually light up? Now I know in this picture, it definitely looks like it's lit lit up. It doesn't actually have light. What does it do, do you know? It reflects the sun. So there's this old song, remember, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's a powerful song. But really, it, it kind of almost sounds like I get the power to shine this light. But the truth is, I don't have that power. I have the power to reflect the light of the sun. I don't have the power to create it or make it. I can only be that When Jesus, the light, the sun is shining on me. So it's really like, almost like I want to be more of a moon. I want to be open and ready for that light to reflect into me. For my spirit and my heart and my mind and my soul to be open and so connected to the sun, to Jesus, that who he is and who he is in me just shines right as a reflection in and through me. So instead of like, you know, there's kind of, we would be like, go be a light for Jesus or go be a sunbeam for Jesus. No, you kind of just want to be more of a moon and just reflect and just make sure that you're shining his direct light out to the people around us. When Jesus says that he's the light, and I think about even this like connection, we don't want there to be an eclipse. What are the things that might get in the way of us being that reflection of Jesus, of being the light that he's putting in us and reflecting through us? I think about when I was a kid, I really like knew that I loved the Lord. I was very, very active in church. I loved people, people of all ages. I'm very, very friendly. I'm very, very outgoing. But I wasn't necessarily like on this major spiritual journey in my life to like go shine the light of Jesus to people. But I'll tell you one story about when I was 15. I have a picture of what I looked like at 15. This is my little school picture with my kind of grown out perm that was going on, whatever that was about. Um, when I was 15, I had this really interesting experience that really kind of sent me on a trajectory in my life. In Indiana, basketball's a big deal, so sorry about my Purdue Boilermakers messing up everybody's bracket. Um, but in Indiana, I'm from a very small town, and in our county, all of the high schools would come together and do a county showcase for basketball. And so every team would just come and play maybe a quarter or half of the game. It was just taking in all of the players that were going to be in the county for this season. Well, I showed up late to the game, which is typical for me. I'm always running a couple minutes late. And I'm with a couple of my friends, and I get to the student section for my town, and there's like 10 seats open, like right in the middle of the student section, Because there's this heavy-set old man sitting right in the middle of our student section. He's not from LaPelle, because I'm from a teeny tiny town of not even 2,000 people, and we know everybody. So this guy was not from our town. Nobody wanted to sit by him. And I'm like, well, they're good seats, and I'll talk to this old guy. And so I sit down, say, what's your name? I'm Danielle. I'm Howard. He's from this community. He kind of starts to tell me some off-color jokes. And then I'm thinking, okay, this is going to get really interesting. And I look at him and I just like kind of straight up said, and I had never done this ever in my life and maybe haven't even since, but I said, you need Jesus. And he was like, just kind of looked at me, you know, and my friends were kind of laughing. And so it just so happened, like the Lord had perfectly aligned that the next, in two days, that Sunday, our church was having a friend day. Where we very intentionally like set up space for people to invite people into the church. I looked at him he's an old guy and to be honest my church was full of old people I was like he'll love it there so I was like you know actually you really do need Jesus and it just so turns out my church is having a friend day this Sunday so I tell him where the church is at tell him what time it is I said when you get there ask for Danielle everybody knows me it's a small church I'll find you whatever okay so the end of the night say goodbye I get to church that Sunday for friend day waiting for this man to show up and he never came I was like, okay, well, that's probably a dodgeable. It was gonna be really awkward. What am I gonna do with this old guy at church anyway? And so, fast forward, I had told him that normally I'm the mascot. So I was a cheerleader, but I broke my shoulder. And my high V at tryout time was like this, and I couldn't get my high V up high enough. And so I was like, you know what? I won't even try out, I'll just become the mascot. And so I was the Bulldog mascot. Now you're learning a lot about Danielle. She's a little crazy. So he remembered that I was the mascot. Three months later, I'm at his school gym again, and he kind of comes and tugs on the little costume, and I turn around, and he's like, hey, I came to your church, and you weren't there. I said, no, you didn't come to my church, because I was there, and you weren't there. And he's like, I asked everybody if they knew you. Nobody knew you. I said, then you came to the wrong church. I didn't have time to talk, because I'm literally wearing this, like, animal costume. And so I write on a piece of paper my name and my phone number. I said, call me. I'll figure this out. So this old man calls me, and my parents are like, what is going on? And I'm like, funny story. I met this man at a basketball game. I invited him to church. He didn't come. I'm going to try to explain how he can get there. So, you know, old-fashioned times, there were two phones in the house where everybody could listen in. So they would listen in to me talking to this old man. I get things straightened out. He did go to the wrong church. He comes to my church. He does end up loving it. Well, we developed this weird, like, friendship. I just felt so sorry for him. He had been a widower for 16 years. Lived alone in a trailer park. The only thing he did for fun was go to the high school basketball games. His family didn't spend a lot of time with him. He was just really lonely. Well, I'm just really friendly, and I lived out in the boonies where there's nothing to do anyway. So once in a blue moon, I would just call this nice old guy up. And it was getting to be Valentine's Day, so I thought I'll send him a Valentine because he's so lonely. And so I sent this exact little school picture with my name and my phone number on the back. Why? I don't know. If he got lonely, he'd call his friend Danielle. Well, it turns out. He attended our church just a couple of weeks, and he got in a serious car accident. They take his wallet, and they find my school picture in it. They call me, 15-year-old Danielle, to ask if I know this man and if I'm related to him. I'm like, no, he's just an old man I met at a basketball game. Like, I don't know. I'm not related to him at all. I don't even know any of his family, nothing. So they said, well, do you know any of his pastors? He's in critical care in the hospital. And I was like, well, he's been to my church a couple times. I'll give you my pastor's phone number. I'm sure he'll come to meet meet him at the hospital. So sure enough, my pastor goes, gets to the hospital, shares Jesus with this man whose name is Howard. He shares Jesus with Howard. Howard ends up making a full recovery. So he comes back to church in a wheelchair. And I'm like, oh my goodness, now I got to push his wheelchair. Like this story is getting just a little out of control. Well, it progresses. He gets out of the wheelchair. He's really made himself at home. He's experienced new life with Jesus. That summer, I went to several camps in a row and had been gone for a few weeks, and I showed back up to church. And my aunt said, Danielle, come here, come here, as soon as I got to church. I'm like, yes, she's like, you're not gonna believe what happened while you were gone. And I'm like, oh, I'm sure it has to do with Howard. Like, what did he do now? What happened? Howard is dating your Aunt D. <laughs> he didn't only date Aunt D. I have a picture. He married Aunt D. and Howard <laughs> became Uncle Howard. He was at my wedding, he was at my brother's wedding, he turned into Uncle Howie, (laughs) only because, like, the Lord just set up this situation where it was really evident to me, like, he needed hope, but Jesus, like, and I just straight up said it to him, like, you need Jesus. Now, if I could do that at 15 years old, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't take much, you could do something very similar and not have any idea what kind of impact you're going to make in someone's life. I love, love, love to share my faith with people. I love to help people that are in hard or broken places. It's part of what I've just really given my life to as a pastor is loving people, sharing Jesus with them, helping them through the hardest moments of their lives and finding hope in those places. And so I have just these fun, you're so sweet, these fun three words that can kind of help all of us as we go through our day-to-day lives to recognize that there are places where people really could use a savior. People that are in a transition. So this is just a way to like make yourself aware in your day-to-day life as you're going through living on mission for Jesus. What are ways that you can share the gospel with people? Look for people that are in a transition. These are either people that have maybe just recently moved. Maybe they've just gotten married. Maybe they just haven't had their first baby, but they're in a place where life is just already in transition. That's usually a great time for people to begin to experience who Jesus is for the first time. So open your eyes and think about the people right now that you know or as you go through your life. Who are people that may be going through a transition and that's a place where you can share Jesus with them? Maybe they're in a place of tension people that are raising teenagers. That's what I'm doing right now. It's very uh, tension-filled, okay? It can be pretty intense. There's a place where people are looking for peace. They're looking for connection. They don't know maybe that they're looking for a Savior, but they're already in that place. Maybe it's in their marriage. Maybe it's people experiencing tension at work. It's a great opportunity for us as believers to step in and say, hey, like I've been there. Or, in my life, this is something that happened to me. And this is kind of who Jesus was to me in that moment. And bring that hope to people that are desperately looking. Maybe more obvious is people going through tragedy. And I know a lot of people in this community have recently been going through a lot of different tragedies. Our teens are going through tragedies. They're facing stories and hearing things and losing people in ways that are just unimaginable. It's a very simple like lined up for you opportunity to share Jesus and to share hope with people in the world so just tune your eyes to those things around you the people around you maybe somebody even came to your mind right then just begin praying for them and if you're like man Danielle I don't know like even if I did that I don't know what I would say say something you don't have to have all the answers listen I don't have all the answers all the time that's for sure I get asked a lot of hard questions. But be willing to just step one step closer to that person and experiencing where they are at spiritually and helping them recognize maybe the places that they do have need of a savior that maybe they don't even recognize. Amen. Second Peter chapter one, there's a Bible verse that says, be as a light that shines in a dark place. And a few years ago, our church in Indiana partnered with a ministry that works with adult dancers and exotic clubs. And I wasn't sure if that was gonna be a place where I was ready to go and be a light that shined because it's a very, very dark and very dangerous place. But I was challenged in that moment that a lot of women who are in those places and getting into maybe a trafficking type of situation, those women who are about my age at that time typically have a mortality rate 260 times sooner than peers their age. They are 260 times more likely to die young than myself. That got my attention. And I thought, okay, if if this is something our church is getting on board with, I better go hear more about it. Well, the way the ministry started was an older woman just loved the Lord and she saw a billboard for a nightclub, and there was a picture of a girl on there, and she just thought, she prayed, Lord, you need to send somebody to help those girls. It was a beautiful prayer. And then the Lord spoke to her and said, And it's gonna be you. And she thought, Me? Like, I'm 60 years old. Like, I don't belong in a place like that. How would I do that? There's got to be somebody else more qualified, somebody else that should be doing this. And when she shared her heart for this population of people that are just so hurt and broken, I was moved. And I felt like the Lord said, Danielle, you also need to go and be a light in a dark place. So I joined this ministry, and it was very, very um, structured. It was very dangerous, and there was a lot of safety and protocols and things that we went through to be safe in these places. But I want to tell you about one story that happened when I was there. The the week prior, a friend of mine was there, and we just try to make friends with the dancers, just try to make connections with people that are working in those clubs, making sure that they're safe, making sure that we stay safe while we're doing that, and that we find ways to be light in a really dark place. When we were in the club this particular night, this girl, one of the servers, approached our table and said, oh, I've been waiting for you guys to come in. And we thought... Oh, really? And she said, yeah, like, one of you last week wrote on a napkin the meaning of my name. My name's Amanda, and the meaning of her name was worthy of love. And she said, I've been wanting to get a tattoo right here on my side for a long time, and when I saw your napkin, I thought, that's it. That's the tattoo I'm going to get. And so I got this tattoo, and she shows me this tattoo, and I'm like, whoa. Like, we're trying to be light in a dark place, this girl takes a napkin that we didn't even know if she would find or grab. She gets these words of truth inscribed on her body. So I take her to the side because the girl that had written it, interestingly enough, it was very artistic. She also had several tattoos. And so I wanted her to see like, hey, this little like step that you took to shine light in a dark place, like really has made like a permanent impact on this girl in some ways, right? But like I knew she would find it encouraging, so. We step into a private area, and I'm talking to her, and I'm just kind of like, how long have you worked here? You know, how do you like it? And she's like, well, it's the only place I can work. She's like, my husband was a pastor and had multiple affairs on me, left me with my three kids, and I had no way to make a livable income, and so this is a place where I can make more money faster than anywhere else, and so that's why I'm here. And I'm like, have no idea how to respond to that, right? Because evidently, this girl at one point in her life has known the light of Jesus. And now she's working in this really dark, hurtful place. So then she looks right at me and she goes, So what do you do? And I was like, Oh, I don't want to tell you that I work in a church and that I, I'm also married to a pastor. Like I just didn't really want to have that conversation. And so I kind of tell her, and she's like, oh, yeah, well, my sister is still married to a pastor, and I think they kind of are doing the same thing that you guys are doing, starting new churches, you know? I said, well, I, you know, I believe it's true that you really are worthy of love and try to encourage her. And then I kind of just like go back to the table, let her get back to work, just blown away by what I had just experienced. And a few moments later, she approached our table again and said, Oh yeah, also if you guys could be praying for me, I also have cervical cancer. And I'm like, oh my word, like this girl is in su- living in such darkness and so desperate for light. And I would love to tell you that I had the like fortitude and the thought to say, well, let's just pray right now and God's got a plan and let me, you know, share Jesus with you right here right now. I was speechless. And it wasn't me in that moment. It was actually a friend of mine, Megan. She's a 24-year-old nurse, not a pastor, doesn't have the formal training, but she has Jesus. And she looked at this girl and said, can we pray for you right now? And she reached out, and we all reached out right in the middle of that club, and we prayed. We prayed for this girl. We prayed for her healing. We prayed for her family, and we prayed for her heart. It just takes these little steps towards someone to offer them that hope to be willing to be the light in the dark place. I think as the church, we really need to recognize, especially new life, right? That's the whole name of this church. People are looking for new life. We have the light that can help people experience the new life that a lot of us in this room have experienced. But maybe you're somebody here who has not yet experienced that new life. You're like, yeah, I go to new life, but I'm still like sitting in this darkness or I'm sitting in this brokenness. And Jesus is saying, I am the light have the light. I'm ready for you to experience this life. I'm ready for this brokenness to fall off and to put you back together. If that's you and you're thinking, yeah, well, yeah, we should reach those people, but man, I'm still in this broken place. I've been there. I've been in those places where I felt no one else had been, where I felt there was no hope, places where I thought life was just going to be too much to handle. You're not alone in that. But Jesus is ready and willing to step in, to speak your worth to you, to bring you that new life. And it can happen today. You don't have to leave in darkness. You don't have to leave feeling like I haven't yet experienced that new life. There is a new, another baptism service coming up, but you don't have to wait for that. There's a couple of people on the prayer team that are going to come up, and I encourage you Even if you're like, I I don't think I'm that broken, but I've got these places where there is pain or there's hurt, let us pray for you. Let us pray for healing and wholeness and for the light of Jesus to shine so bright as he brings your brokenness together and makes you new. Some of you have that light, and maybe you have shared your faith before or you've shined your light bright before, but you haven't done it in a long time. Or maybe you know like I'm supposed to do that and I've never done it and I gotta figure this out. I wanna pray for you right now. So if you would stand up, everybody just stand up and think about this. Where am I at on this spectrum? Am I in this this person on this side of the darkness where I still need to receive that new life and that healing and wholeness? We wanna pray with you about that. But if you have experienced the light of Jesus, if you know that there's something in you and something you're supposed to do, there's people that you are uniquely and perfectly lined up to share the love of Jesus with, would you pray about and think about in your heart who that person is? And even this week, look for ways to just make them smile, to share that you're willing to pray for them. Maybe if you feel bold enough, pray in that moment for them. Who are the people that you are already in contact with that Jesus is saying, that's the people I want you to be a light to this week. You have these invitations, guys. Every invitation should be out of this room. There's people who are broken and in darkness looking for light. We have the light. We have the good news. We have an incredible opportunity to celebrate that and share that this Easter time. So the prayer team will come up. You're welcome to come up and pray with them about any of these issues. I'm going to lead us in prayer right now. Lord, I thank you so much that you are the light. God, that you sent your son Jesus to be the light of the world. That you sent a light so bright, Lord, that for those of us who've experienced that, it's undeniable. It's this love, Jesus, that's perfect and whole and can only come from you. God, I pray that those people that have not yet experienced that, or maybe who have experienced that and they've lost touch with you and your goodness, the new life now feels like old life and they're getting maybe back into old patterns or feeling that brokenness again, Jesus. I pray that you would restore and renew their hearts and their souls, Jesus, that you would allow them to bring that brokenness and just set it at your feet and allow you, God, to make them whole, to make them new and bring them back to that place of new life. And Lord, the people in all of our day-to-day lives, whether it's neighbors, whether it's even people within our own family, whether it's coworkers or other people we interact with on a regular basis or even a stranger at a basketball game, Lord, please help us to step out. Help us to step in, Lord, to look for people in these places of tension, of tragedy, people that are going through things that are just so hard and so dark. Help us to be the people in the church that brings them to the feet of Jesus, that brings them a bright, shining light, Jesus, that gives them hope, that they don't have to stay in those places anymore, Lord, that every morning when they're waking up in brokenness, they're not finding hope, they're feeling that things are so dark, that they can begin to wake up, Jesus, with a brightness and a light that's your love shining all over them and would begin to even shine through those people as well, Jesus. So I pray that this church would take the new life they've experienced and bring it to this community this Easter season, and Lord, that the carpet would be dirty, that it wouldn't be place where we're so concerned about making it perfect, but we're making it where people experience new life in you. We pray this in your name.